0: everybody i'm uh i'm walking into uh uh msnbc here so this is not going to sound very good because i'm doing it on my uh my iphone um but uh i I just want to so forgive all the the pops and the crackles and everything um sometime tonight or tomorrow we're going to have our five millionth download of rumble since we began about two months ago uh this is an incredible Moment, I'm so grateful to everybody who's been listening, and uh, to show our gratitude, we're going to select the five millionth person. Uh, we won't know exactly when it will happen, but we are going to uh, be on alert over the next 24 hours. And um, and this can be any of you who've been listening in the past. All you got to do is hit uh, download of any episode. I'll have a new episode up here at midnight uh, tonight Eastern Time. Um, so just listen to that one or listen to a past one. Maybe you've missed one. Uh, you'll be logged in if you, uh, just uh, hit play on any of the episodes. So do that and, uh, and the winner, uh, will be, uh, uh, brought to New York City to be a guest on Rumble. Uh, so, uh, do that. Thank you for listening. Thank you to all who made up these 5 million, uh, listens here of this podcast. Uh, we're very grateful. Um, but thank you everybody. And, uh, now I'm with the show here. Welcome to Rumble. This is Michael Moore, and you're listening to what will be one of four in a row, four daily podcasts of Rumble in these next four days leading up to and including Super Tuesday. Uh, they will be uh, not um, super long episodes. They will they will be like mini, mini Rumbles in a way, mini for me at least. Uh, we'll, we'll call them preemies. This is the preamble the, the pre-existing Super Tuesday days uh, that you'll be listening to. And this, this will be part one here today in the lead up uh, to Super Tuesday. Super Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, March the 3rd, uh, it will be, at least up until now, probably the most important date in this election season. A date that could affect the next four years of our lives, depending on what happens on Tuesday. There are 14 states plus America, Samoa and the thing called Democrats Abroad. These are citizens who live in other countries. They can all vote on on Tuesday from where they're at. This is kind of a cool thing. So there's really 16 mostly I think primaries, I guess you could call them. I don't think, are there any caucuses on, um, on Tuesday? I think they're all primaries. So, um, so if you know anybody who lives in Maine or Vermont or Massachusetts or Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee, Alabama, Arkansas, Texas, Oklahoma, Colorado, Utah, Minnesota, or California. I believe I hit all of them. Plus, again, if you're in Samoa or you're a Democrat abroad, if you know anybody who lives there, uh, send them a text, drop them an email, call them up. If you still communicate by... What's called a telephone and remind them to vote on Tuesday. There's also early voting going on in many of these states or there's absentee ballots available. Was, you have to check with your local county clerk and you have to also know this in most of these states if you are 17 years old this week, if you are 17 years old but will be 18 on or before November 3rd of this year, you can vote this Tuesday in the primary. If you haven't been told this, call the, on on Monday, call the city clerk, the township clerk, the county clerk, whoever's in charge of elections in your area, and and ask them what the state law is regarding 17-year-olds who will be 18 by election day. And where I'm from in Michigan, other places, you vote. You vote at 17. I voted at 17. Back when I was 17, uh, the Michigan primary that year was April, and I wasn't, um, it was early April and I wasn't going to be 18 for another, I don't know, two or three weeks. And so, but I could vote because I was going to be 18 before the November election. So tell your 17 year olds, if you know any 17 year olds, please pass this along. I am going to remind people every day about this in large part because there have been almost 15 million 17 year olds who were. Uh, who've turned 18 in these years that Trump has been president. You aware of this just about every year around a million 17 year olds turn 18. That's a lot. That's a lot of young people. Um, and they get what's going on. So let's get them out to vote on, on Tuesday. The purpose of today's rumble podcast, uh, though, um, is going to be, uh, the first thing I want to talk about, because I think it's the one thing that's on a lot of people's minds, and I want to talk about how it affects this Tuesday's election and who is the next president of the United States, and that's something called the coronavirus. Corona Don, our president, uh, if you've been paying attention to the news, he has uh, once again checked out of reality and has entered the garbage can that is his own mind and um everything's fine everything's fine according to the man they call the president um and uh how does he know everything is fine because that's his kind of he's checked in with his gut his gut has told him that everything is fine and we're going to be fine and as he said yesterday this will disappear this this threat this coronavirus will disappear it'll be a miracle he said Honest to God. That's what he said. And that we just have to trust him. It will disappear because he's been doing so good with it. Um, He's been doing that. Any president better than any president before him with any kind of situation like this. He shut it down a month ago, right? When it started, according to, and, um, and he's got his whole, he's got everybody on board, all his doctors, all this. And he's put Mike Pence, the vice president in charge Of the task force, the vice president, who is an enemy of science, who um, uh, believes that the earth was created 6,000 years ago, whose track record when he was governor of Indiana um, uh, allowed, uh, he he refused, he doesn't want to deal with AIDS, he doesn't want to deal with HIV and all this, refused to participate in the needle exchange program, and according to one study, Uh, a, a, A few dozen people died in Indiana as a result of his policies and only after the number reached, you know, I don't know how many it was, I think it was close to 70 cases or whatever. He then agreed to a 30 day needle exchange program, but it costs lives. It doesn't matter. He hates gay people and he hates science and God is the greatest cure for everything. That's who's in charge of our coronavirus uh, task force. Uh, That's who's going to protect us from this. Now, of course, none of us want to get into a big panic. Um, We don't really know what's happening. The lying started with Trump's best friend, President Xi of China, uh, lied right from the beginning, uh, tried to cover up the fact that people had this virus. Like Trump, worried about commerce, worried about the money, and then the word got out. And the word got out how he covered it up, and then he had to admit it. They're still not telling the truth. We all know that. But, of course, this is Trump's game plan, too, to not really tell us the whole truth, try to cover it up, try to be put a happy face on it, tell everybody everything's fine. What? Cause, why? Because he's worried about the stock market. The stock market, through these five days this week, went through the biggest crash, bigger than the 08, in, the, in some sense, if you look at the market, and, the, and according to those numbers, of the Dow and the the NASDAQ, and the S&P. That's really what Trump cares about. There was a report uh, today that when he was over in India the first couple days of the week, uh, he was obsessed. He kept asking his aides, what's the latest numbers? Stock market, what's the latest? What's the latest? It's like he was just, you know, that was what was on. Not not what's the latest in terms of the numbers of the people that have the coronavirus uh, or if we're taking care of things. As you may have known, but if you don't know this, let me just tell you that... We are in great danger, not because necessarily of what this virus will do. It, it, it needs to be taken extremely seriously, but we may or may not be in grave danger. But somebody tells me that the may or may not. I'm, I'm, I'm going to always side with the may. <laughs> Why? Because you want to be safe. You want to be prepared. You want to prevent this from happening to yourself and to everybody else but we're in a different kind of grave danger. And I know we've talked a lot about since well, back when Trump was running, what kind of danger we would be in if he were in the white house. And, um, we covered all the usual basis, um, invading other countries, um, uh, dismantling the environmental protection agency, you know, a whole host of things that Trump threatened to do. Um, including not accepting the results of the 2016 election because he feared they were going to go against him um, And could postpone or cancel upcoming elections based on whatever power he thought he had As commander-in-chief a title that he prefers to actually than to president of the United States So yeah, we talked a lot about the danger we'd be in and then when he assumed office via the electoral college. Then we actually were afraid and he right away did a number of things, uh, the Muslim travel ban, et cetera, et cetera. So he, uh, you know, there were all the things right away that told us that, uh, we might be in some serious trouble here, but the kind of trouble we're in this week is, um, we have someone in the white house who doesn't respect science doctors um, anything, which is somewhat ironic in this case, because he's he's the premier germaphobe in the country. Um, doesn't like to shake anybody's hands. Is constantly purring himself. Uh, um, very freaked out about any kind of contact um, with other humans. So it's a it's you'd think he'd be the first. <laughs> he'd be the first one. <laughs> To be, sounding the alarm about this, but in fact no, because it 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 would be a black mark on on his administration. Should there be a virus, uh, no one's ever going to accuse him of being you know patient zero of causing this virus, but he um for some reason has decided to take the position that everything's all right, everything's going to be okay, there's going to be a miracle. Do not despair. And how how are the mar- how's the market doing right now? but it's not just his attitude. It's not just him putting Mike Pence in charge of this uh, task force. It's the fact that over the last two years, he has dismantled the pandemic division of the national security council, the, the, the group of people that are part of the executive branch, whose job it is is to make sure in this case that if a pandemic breaks out, or if any kind of epidemic breaks out, that we we go right at it and we do whatever we need to do to protect the people of the United States of America and the rest of the world. Um, so here's what he's done since 2018. I'm just going to read this. Uh, this is uh, from NBCnews.com. In 2018, Trump fired Tom Bossert, um, whose job as the Homeland Security Advisor uh, to the National Security Council included coordinating the response to global pandemics. Bazert was not replaced by Trump. Last year, Rear Admiral Tim Zemer, I believe that's how you spell his name, Z-I-E-M-E-R, the, he was the National Security Council's Senior Director for Global Health Security and Biodefense. He left the council and Trump decided not to replace him. Then, Dr. Luciana Boreo, B-O-R-I-O, she was the National Security Council's uh, Director for Medical and Biodefense Preparedness. She left then in May of 2018 and was also not replaced by Trump. When asked about it in this, uh, in the you know, I think last year, yeah, this was in October, Robert uh, O'Brien, the National Security Advisor at the time, um, said that Obama had allowed the NSC to balloon, balloon is the words, uh, to well over 200 staffers and that he intended to reduce the NSC staff. And really, folks, what better place to reduce the NSC staff than with the people in charge of pandemics and bio defense. So we literally, and you know, this is, you know, this is a problem throughout the whole white house. We literally have nobody in charge of this, just as he, he has not filled so many other positions. i, I a friend of mine in the, in the media, walking through the West wing one day where all the, you know, where all the staff is for the president. And this person told me that it gets quieter and quieter there because there's empty office after empty office desk after desk where Trump has not either replaced people who quit or replaced people he's fired. And, and that's why even the ones he has replaced, they're all called acting. There's no permanent, uh, Homeland security person. That's an acting Homeland uh, security secretary. There's an acting uh, chief of staff. There's an acting. It's it's. You know, you've noticed this in the news. It's all. They're all acting because he won't fill the jobs in any kind of permanent way. And that's the case now, where we've got nobody in charge of protecting us. I'm sure you've you've. I don't want to go through all the stuff you've heard it on the news this week of how few kits there are to do testing, that there are cities in this country where there are absolutely, there's no test kits. If you need to be tested tonight in certain places, there's no place, there's no way to test you. There, they, there is not enough, the, the, the various things that are needed aren't don't exist. And when the doctor from the National Institute of Health tried to tell people at the press conference on Thursday, the one that Trump held, A rare visit to the press room at the White House. Um, He was trying to explain that um, to actually come up with a a vaccine would have to go through all this testing, and it would take you know well over a year because we're not prepared. And Trump got pissed and said that by the end of the day, that guy's not to be talking anymore. Pence, you do the talking, or you you Pence approve. And nobody, no doctor talks to the public. Um, well, there was, you know, there's a big outcry over that on Friday. And um, so I noticed they're starting to let a couple of doctors talk. Doctors just have facts. That's all they would offer. And there's no political opinion here. That's just a fact. But they want to keep us ignorant. So that's that was the first approach to not have the doctors talk. We'll see what happens in the next few days. Um, there was the story of how the uh, Health and Human Services um, employees that were sent to the quarantined people that uh, the Americans who were let back in, uh, instead of being quarantined wherever they were, wherever they were sick, brought them back in uh, into two bases, into, into nor- one in Southern California, one in Northern California. And of course, the first now known case that we had, and on Thursday was uh, from an individual who hadn't been to China, didn't know anybody had been to China. So how did how did this individual, did this woman come down with it? Well, she's 15 miles from where one of these bases are and one of the Health and Human Services people, as we have found out, they were not given the right gear. They were not given the right protective clothing. Um, they fly out there to California. They don't follow any of the protocols. They are giving no training. They just show up. As long as you got one of those white suits on, they might be okay. So they they start d- doing whatever testing they were doing, and then at least one of them didn't. They didn't stay on the base. They went and stayed went and stayed in a, in a motel or a hotel, and and ate at McDonald's. McDonald's. This this virus is transmitted not through uh, the air. It's transmitted through touch or surfaces. I mean, it's through the air if you sneeze in somebody's face or cough in somebody. That that yes, but. But generally, this is a this is a touch and a surface um, virus, and so the thinking now, as I'm recording this, is that perhaps when she was at McDonald's, uh, or the person who was at McDonald's touched it, touched the you know the table or the counter, another person touched it, passed it on, boom. I know the first thing you're thinking of is, um, okay, so they were what sent out from D.C. to California, they not only didn't know the protocols, didn't know what, what clothing to wear. Uh, didn't know what or how to test anybody, and also didn't know that you don't go to McDonald's if you from if you're working for health, and human services. At the very least, if you're in California, you're going to go to In-N-Out Burger. What are you doing at McDonald's? How friggin' stupid is this administration? It goes right down to the people they send, not knowing what they're doing, and not eating at In-N-Out Burger. Okay, I'm a. I'm being a little facetious, but it's only because I'm this upset, and I'm trying. You know, you try to use your, whatever that is inside each of us to, you know, if you're not going to drink, you know, hopefully you have some sort of, um, sense of humor, even in the worst of times to keep yourself in line. Um, This is really this is insanity. This is insanity, and and at that press conference, when all the Trump people are standing there. Again, including the secretary of um, health and human services, Alex Azar He's a is uh, a lobbyist for the pharmaceutical industry. I believe he was uh, um, he was a top executive. He was the president of Eli Lilly Pharmaceuticals. <laughs> this and he gets the he gets the plush job of being in charge of health and human services. That's yeah, a Trump. He gets some reward from Trump. That's the reward. This is who's in charge of our safety. Some corporate hack. And so he's up there and a couple of his deputies are up there. And one of them stands in front of the microphone, looks into the camera and tells the American people, just do the normal things you do around the flu. If you think you have the flu, you know, wash your hands. uh, Uh, you know, sneeze into your arm, and and then and then she said, um, "And if you're not feeling well, don't go to work. Don't go to work. Are you fucking real? Are you? What do you mean? Don't go to work. You don't get to say that in a country that doesn't have universal health care, doesn't have medical paid leave. You see, in in most of the other democracies, you could say that. Don't go to work because you're not going to lose your your pay." If you're out of work for a day or a week or two weeks, you know what? You get 100% of your pay in all these social Democrat countries, right? Yeah, of course you do. You 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 don't worry about that. Why? why? And it's not just because these other countries are nicer to their people. They also don't want you coming in sick and getting everybody else sick. So they want to incentivize you to stay home. And what better way than to assure you, you won't lose any pay. You won't lose your job. It's guaranteed in the law. Oh, and about going to see a doctor. Don't be afraid of going to the doctor because it doesn't cost you anything. Anything. Let me just give you a glimpse into a year from now. If we're living in a country that is on the road to having Medicare for all. Imagine you know how that that if you've if you've ever been in the situation where you haven't had health insurance and you may be in that situation right now because there's almost thirty million Americans who do not have health insurance and even under Obamacare do not have health insurance and you feel like you're not you don't feel well you wake up oh, I should go to the doctor no oh, no, oh no, no. First of all, how will I? I gotta get an appointment. I mean, may not be able to get me in. Um, what's it gonna cost me? Or maybe you go to the doctor and then you forget your your you know your medical insurance card because you have well, you've one of those hundred and sixty million people that got that that incredible private health insurance. Yeah, but there's the copay. That's mm, not worth the copay. I just got a little cold. There's the deductible. Oh geez, what if they send me to the hospital? What if I do have the coronavirus? Uh, no, no, it's I don't have it. No, 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 don't, don't. there's no need to go. I can't tell you how many how many internal conversations take place in people's heads every single day in this country. Who people who should go to the doctor and go immediately. How many deaths would be prevented? That Yale study a little while ago, 68,000 people in America die every year because they didn't go to the doctor in time. They put it off because why? Because it costs money. Because they've seen friends and neighbors um, be go into serious debt. They've seen friends and neighbors um, suffer as a result of, of the debt they incur. People go bankrupt. People lose their homes. So people don't go to the doctor in a country that doesn't have universal free healthcare. We make ourselves dangerous. Do you understand that? Especially the people, the selfish people who might be listening to me, who really only think about themselves and I got my health insurance, I don't need to care about anybody else. And you know, you think you have your health insurance, by the way, until your boss decides one day that you don't have it or or doubles your deductible or whatever because you have no freaking say in it because you don't have a right, you don't have a right to health in this country. You don't have a right to see a doctor. You don't have a right to save your life. There's no law anywhere that says you do. You only, you, those who have the health, look, I'm, I'm not going to get into this right now. I made a whole movie about this. As I've said before, it's called Sicko. You can watch it. It's a movie about people who have great, great health insurance and what happens to them. No, we are, we are less safe. Or how did I hear this um, on TV today? Ro Khanna, the congressman from California, he said we're only as safe as the person in our country who has the least amount or none of health insurance. That's how safe we are. Because, Because people who don't have health insurance, who don't go to the doctor, who don't get tested, then what happens? What do they do? The disease spreads. The virus spreads. Or if it's not a virus or a disease, if it's a cancer or whatever, it just spreads inside their body until it's too late. Until they finally can't take anymore and they do go to the doctor. The doctor said, oh, I'm really sorry to tell you this. It's, It's stage four. Wow. Can I tell you, if you haven't left this country, if you're one of the... I don't know, 60, 70% of this country that doesn't have a passport. So you've never left. I'm going to tell you, I have, I've got one of those passports when I was uh, 20 years old and I've seen this uh, my whole adult life in other countries, all kinds of countries, not just the Swedens and the Norways and the Denmark's. I've seen it in Asia. I've seen it in the Middle East. I've seen it in Latin America. When people get sick, they go to the doctor. Nobody asked them for a card. Nobody asked them for their wallet. Nobody wants to know how much money they got in the bank. Not here. So we make ourselves much less safe as a result of not having Medicare for all. That one reason alone should be enough for everybody to get behind any candidate that's for that because, because that candidate, that candidate on Super Tuesday is trying to say, I want to make us all safe. I want everybody to be cured who can be cured. I want everybody to get the attention they get when they, whenever they need it, that they get it right away. And they never have to worry about what it's going to cost because it's not going to cost anything. You've already paid for it. You work. You pay taxes. That's enough. And I want us to think about this as we are leading up to each of these Tuesdays. The week after Super Tuesday is Michigan and the state of Washington and Mississippi. The week after that is Florida, Illinois, Ohio, it's all in March. Arizona. Think about this. This is a serious issue. And and it's not just about removing Donald Trump, the idiot in charge who is not protecting us right now. Somebody said today on TV that there's a, the where this the, the first woman who got the coronavirus in Northern California, that there's a, a pharmaceutical factory or. I don't, think, I don't know if they call them factories or whatever, but within like 15 miles or something, and they could be making these, first of all, the test kits. They could be making the test kits. They could be making the things that, the, that we're going to need to protect ourselves, um, whatever medicine we're going to need, with the, if, we, if we need to um, inoculate ourselves, whatever that is. There's nothing being done, folks. The mayor of New York went on TV yesterday and said, we only have like, 1,200 beds uh, in facilities that that can be quarantined where we can quarantine patients. City of 8.5 million people, 1,200 beds are available for this. Again, I don't want to encourage panic here, but you can see if the shit hit the fan here and it seems to be hitting parts of the fan right now, if it really hits the fan, what that's going to look like, all you survivalists out there, with all your underground bunkers and all, all that stuff you've been stockpiling, all your guns, your guns aren't going to save you. Your gun can't shoot the virus. Our priorities are so wrong. We're so off. I always want to believe we're smarter than this. We certainly, as the wealthiest country on the planet, have the means to have as many test kits as we need to to develop whatever medicines we need to to approach this in a way that protects everybody and yet here we are the dunces are in charge it's a confederacy we are going to be the victims of this and yeah we're left we're left to we're left to pray and hope with the vice president Let's get on our knees tonight and hope that this won't be what it could be because we aren't ready because the president of the United States got rid of all the people who would be handling a pandemic as he explained the other day. Well, you know, we don't need all these pandemic people around in our national security office, not doing anything. It's not like there's a pandemic every day. So we'll, he says, we'll get them together. Oh, we figured all oh, you know, we didn't, we don't need these people sitting around. Well, if something happens, we'll get everybody back together. Well, we'll get the band, get, bring the band back together. We'll get those doctors back and we'll figure this out. How's the market doing? <gasps> what? <gasps> he has one concern this week, the market and how he looks. It was a perfect virus. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah, if it is a perfect virus, there's no perfect call you can make, Donald. My friends, if you have not thought of the right reason to show up on Tuesday, to get your early ballot in this weekend, let this be it. I don't want you to have to play this episode back a month from now, two months from now, after you've buried loved ones. Because we just kept hoping. Aren't you sick of hoping? Always hoping for the best. We hope that the Mueller report would save us. We hope that impeachment would save us. We're hoping that a candidate that now yeah, we don't need we don't really need completely universal health care um you know people can opt in can opt in if somebody has the coronavirus do you want them to have the choice of opting in if the light is red you don't have the choice of driving through it you don't get to drive through it you don't get to say oh wait a minute um I don't like the government. The government put that red light up there and now it's red and I want to go and it's it's violating my my freedom to go. So fuck that red light. I'm just going to go through the intersection. No. When you're going to live with other human beings in a society, it's not the way it works. And if you're going to live with other human beings in a society, you make sure everybody can go to the doctor today or free, period. Please, my friends, please think about this. We can't get through another four years with Trump, obviously, but we can't go through four years of either a Republican Senate or of a Democrat in the White House that doesn't understand the urgency of taking care of everybody from this point on. It will do... This is, I see, I'm in this weird spot right now. Where I, I'm, I just feel like I'm, I'm back in, I'm back in 2016. I'm trying to warn people that Trump's going to win. Nobody listening to me, but this is, you know, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of, I am sick of it. I am sick of, I've, I've done this for, I don't know, the Iraq war, Columbine, my whole life, what I've done with the things I've tried to make movies about and things and just warn people and ring that bell and fire up that siren. Now here I am in front of this microphone in what used to be the guest bedroom of this apartment on top of a movie theater in New York city on a Friday night, asking you to please do what you can do. Make a difference for this Tuesday. Be careful regarding this virus. Be be careful. The face masks aren't going to save us at this point, uh, but be careful with, you know, and demand action. Demand action. Our Congress, our members of the House and the Senate, they should be on fire right now to demand to hell with the markets. If this goes where it could go, I mean if you're alive how will you live with yourself that you didn't rise up at that point how you voted on super tuesday is going to be almost irrelevant isn't it you still have to vote because our hope is that we'll get through this and that next year or two years from now if this happens again We'll have a president who believes in science. We'll have a president who's in that White House who will fully staff the pandemic office. And and we will have full, free health care for every single American. Not because it's the right thing to do, it is the right thing to do. But it's the savior asked to save your ass too. Cause if you have sick people that go to work, that go on the subway, that are eating at McDonald's. This affects you. Just think about yourself. Stop. Stop compromising. Stop it with the half measures. Time is running out. And the planet. The planet. And we think we're just going to keep watching the icebergs melt. Watching Greenland fall into the sea. The fires in Australia. California. Yeah, you know, we're seeing the early stages of the end. The end of us, at least. But that's twenty, thirty, forty. 40. What do they tell us? Some of them say we still have 20, until 2050. But what if Mother Nature decides that a little tiny bug is all we need to take care of this species that pisses all over this beautiful planet? A little tiny bug is all we need. Poof. That's the end of them. Planet one, humans zero. Don't think that this may not be the way that we see the end. Because nature will and is responding. And it has very little respect for us right now. I'll be back tomorrow with part two of our Super Tuesday premi podcast specials here on Rumble with Michael Moore. Good night. Be well. Wash your hands.